The Bible says to encourage one another and build one another up. That is why this podcast exists. Welcome to Real Life with Lynn, where you will find stories about applying scripture to life, whether it's over something big, small, or something in the gray area. I hope you will join me on the journey, find some encouragement in Jesus, and share it with someone you know. y'all. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Lynn with Real Life with Lynn. So glad to be doing another episode and I hope that you're coming in close and hanging out. If you couldn't tell from the title, this topic is going to be a little hefty as I like to call it, but I truly believe I've just been praying over this episode, praying over those that listen, and I truly believe that God is going to help whoever's listening because honestly, God has used the content of this episode to help me in my daily life. And so I'm I'm merely just sharing with you the outpouring of what God is teaching me. And I want to start today by simply sharing a story with you, a story from my own life. So the very first time that I remember feeling grief as a result of loss is when my dad's mom, my mama, passed away. I was like 12, 13 And she was the only biological grandparent at that time that I'd really known. And I was her pumpkin. (laughs) I really, she loved me. I loved her and I really missed her. And that was the first time in my life that I remember feeling that deep sense of grief. And I just remember feeling so empty and a little bit lost, if I'm honest, and just curious about life after death. And, you know, I grew up in church, so I was taught a lot about what God has to say But I don't think I've truly come to understand life after death or eternal life or even how to process death until I've really become a stronger Christian. And as I've been living my life more and more as days go by, I realize that grief doesn't just take on the form of a tragic loss. Grief can be grief over a lost relationship. It can be grief over rejection, someone walking out of your life. It can be grieving your sin. As Christians, we believe that when we sin, we should be mourning that and grieving that. And so I really want to just share with you some helpful things that scripture actually teaches about grief, how to be a friend to someone who's grieving, how to process grieving when you're walking through it. And so I truly hope today is as helpful to you as it has been to me. Because to be honest, in, in my short 31 years of life, I've experienced all kinds of forms of grief and it's been hard, but God has used it to make me more in who he wants me to be, to help him be more like him. And so I hope the very same thing happens for you. As I stated earlier, in the Christian life, there are kind of two types of grief that people generally experience. There's, as I mentioned, grief over sin, you know, this mourning over I've disobeyed God and I need to repent of that. And then there's another type of grief, this grief over something tragic happening, whether it's sudden or planned, whatever kind of tragedy it is, there's a grief that comes with that. The really focus of this episode is grief in tragedy, not grief over our sin. So I wanted to establish that before we get started, because some of the things that we'll be talking about aren't specific to grieving over our sin and how to work through that. That's a whole other episode that I may write later. But today, the focus is grief in tragedy. There are multiple stories and a lot of people that actually deal with grief. And the main example that I'm probably going to sit on is this guy named Job. 
Now, Job was a guy who was found to be righteous in God's eyes. He wasn't perfect, but he was a Christian. He was a follower of Jesus. He believed in God. He loved him. He worshiped him. Job lost most material possessions, pretty much all material possessions he had. He was a wealthy man. He lost all of his animals. He lost his house. He lost his children, most of his servants, except for maybe two His wife was alive to remind him that he needed to curse God and die. So even his wife was kind of turning on him. And Job was grieving. Another example from scripture is King David. King David walked through a lot of grief in his life. He grieved the loss of a child. He even grieved over his sin. And if you read through the book of Psalms, like I have a lot sometimes, you see David's outpouring of his emotion and his grief. And as I prayed about it, I found that there were six things that scripture really teaches that are helpful to kind of know and land on whether you're walking through a season of grief or whether you're watching someone walk through a season of grief. And especially this time of year, around the holidays, I know me, my memoir didn't die around the holiday season, but I know during the holidays, it's a time with family. And I often think about the people I've lost and I know you are too. And so I hope that this is encouraging, it's insightful and impactful for you. The first thing that scripture and the story of Job actually demonstrate to us is simply that we must be honest with God and honest with ourselves about what we're feeling. Again, whether you're walking through grief or watching someone, the key component here is being honest with God. I've heard so many people say to me, I feel kind of ashamed to be grieving or I feel like I'm failing God because I'm feeling this way and feeling sad. And it's like, no, (laughs) no, 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 no. It's human emotion. Grief is nothing to be ashamed of. Job certainly wasn't ashamed. Let me read for you here. In the first chapter of Job, it's recorded his uh, reaction to losing everything. Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. Job was not ashamed to feel that grief, (laughs) to feel that heartache. There was this external tearing of his robe, shaving his head and falling on the ground that he expressed his grief. And that's key to be honest with God about your grief. And here's some more notations from Job's life where Job is being very honest with God himself and his friends. Now, you may now when I read these, you may think to yourself, can I really say that to God? I would say, yes, you absolutely can say that to God. God can handle your real emotion and feelings. Job says this. See if you can relate. I'm just going to read a few of these instances straight from the Bible here on my desk. For my sighing comes instead of my bread and my groanings are poured out like water. For the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. Does grief often feel like you have no rest? I know it does for me. Here's some more things that Job says. How many are my iniquities and my sins? Make me know my transgression and my sin. So Job here is actually in context questioning God if he has sinned or not to deserve the punishment. So he's questioning God. And then he goes on to ask God this, why do you hide your face and count me as your enemy? When something sudden happens, doesn't it feel like God is actually doing it to you? If we're honest in our grief, it feels like God has done something to you. No matter where you are in your walk with Christ, you have that human moment of going, God, why did you do this to me? How could you? 
Be honest, friends. My days are past. My plans are broken off. Dang, does it feel like your plans are broken ever? My soul is poured out within me. Days of affliction have taken hold of me. The night racks my bones and the pain that gnaws me takes no rest. When you're in that deep part of grief, doesn't it feel like that pain is just gnawing at your bones? Have you ever experienced a tragedy that rocks you to your core? Whether it's a sudden death or someone suddenly leaving or walking away, whatever kind of grief it is, has it ever felt as if that pain is gnawing at you and you have no rest? Friend, be honest with God. He can take it. So that's the first thing that scripture actually shows us about our grief. Be honest with God and be honest with yourself. Be honest with people around you. Don't be ashamed of what you feel. The second thing is more for people that are kind of watching friends or family go through it. And this is another thing from the life of Job. And I'm going to say it. This is real life, right? So the real means that I'm going to be honest. So when I first say this, please don't gasp. So the second thing is, as friends and family watching someone go through grief, the most helpful thing is this. Be silent, but be present. I'm going to say it again. Be silent, but be present. Silence doesn't mean lack of being present, but presence does not mean never saying anything. Most often, the person in your life that you're thinking of right now that is going through a deep, dark grief of some kind, the person you're thinking of, how many times have they simply said, I just want you to be there for me? And friend, if you're walking through it right now, don't you just really want to know that people are there whenever you decide to need them? Job's friends Sometimes they always just get a bad rap, but his friends actually started out very well. They came to Job and they just sat with him in his grief and they were just there for him. And if you read through the entire book, one thing that I've noticed when I read through it is that as they add words and try to like talk to him and be present and try to help him figure out why it's happening, the more words they pile on, the more pain that seems to be piled onto Job. So not only is Job grieving the loss of animals, the loss of house, the loss of family, but on top of that, he has people that are present, but they're yapping and adding on so much pain to him. Friends, I cannot stress this enough. Be silent, but be present. If you notice, that's what God does for us sometimes especially in our grief. I know for me, that's true. When I left my ex-husband, I experienced a form of grief and God was present and I knew he was there and he was listening and he was hugging me in a way and comforting me, but he didn't just throw a bunch of words at me. He just simply made his presence known. And throughout the book of Psalms, Psalm 46, now that I think about it, David actually says, God is an ever-present help in trouble. So friend, if you're walking through it right now and you have friends and family, maybe they're just saying a bunch of things and it's adding to your pain. I encourage you to do your best to let it go, to give grace to them and to recognize that they're trying with all of their might to help you, but to ultimately look to God for how to go through that process. And for those of you that are watching your friends go through it. Whether you're saying a bunch of words or not, I just encourage you to extend grace as well because the grief process does not look the same for two people or for anyone. Each person in each situation is so different and each person walks through it differently. And I encourage you to extend the grace that God gives to us when we're going through that. Be silent, be present. 
Let them know you're there. It doesn't mean not speaking to them. It doesn't mean not asking, how can I help? It just means don't try to explain why. And sometimes the the scriptural truth that feels like an accolade to someone in the height of grief, pick your moment, friend. Pick your moment to share God's truth with someone walking through that. The third thing is this, and this is back focused on the person walking through it. This third thing I find to be important, worship and connect with God. Find a way to worship God and connect with him. What is worship? What does worshiping God mean? In essence, worship is connecting with God. And worship can look many different ways. Worship can happen anywhere, anytime. And think about Job's reaction to losing everything. The verse I read earlier from chapter one, Job arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the ground and worshiped. Scripture doesn't tell us exactly what that meant, but he worshiped God even after losing everything. That convicts me. I'll know about you. That convicts me. But I also want to share with you some helpful ways that you can try to connect with God. Because again, our relationship with God is individual. We have to find a way to connect with God on our own. I'm going to share with you things that have helped me. One way that I connect with God is typical through worship music, right? There are certain songs that I listen to in certain seasons that help me to just focus on God, connect with Him, and truly feel His presence, so to speak. You can walk around outside, being out in nature in his creation, reminding yourself how big God is, staring at the brown leaves falling in the winter, uh, just just taking a look and being outside and breathing the fresh air can be very helpful. For some listening to podcasts, whether it's this one or another one, I have a few other podcasts that I keep kind of in my arsenal because sometimes listening to a podcast about a subject, you know, opposite of what I'm dealing with kind of helps me to disengage from my grief, but it's Christian. So it helps me connect with God and continue to find a way to grow even when I don't feel like it. Because let's be honest, when we're grieving, we don't feel like growing, praying, connecting with God. In some seasons for myself, I'll walk around my house, open up my Bible to the book of Psalms and just start reading. Wherever I land, just read it out loud. And it helps me to connect with God. Prayer is another way that we ongoingly connect with God, but in, but specifically when we're walking through hard times, prayer, and it kind of goes back to being honest with God, talking to him. Prayer is a way that we connect with God. Personally, I, I play guitar. I play an instrument and being able to play guitar helps me connect with God. Something else that helps me is I actually will listen to music while I'm working on a paint by number. Again, it's an external activity, gets you out of your head, gets you, sometimes it even gets you out of your bed. <laughs> Because when you're grieving, oftentimes depression and not wanting, not having energy goes with that. So find a way to worship and connect with God that forces you to get out of bed and go do something. The fourth thing that I have found helpful for myself, I've seen help other people, and the Bible also encourages us to do. Throughout the book of Proverbs, the Bible encourages us to surround ourselves with wise counsel. So if you're walking through a season of grief, I encourage you to ensure that you've surrounded yourself with wise people. Now, sometimes the counsel is a pastor, you know, depending on your church and your situation. Sometimes it is your pastor or someone within your church. Other times it's a professional counselor. God has gifted some people in this world 
with specific counseling skills. They go to school even, get degrees in it and certifications, and they're also Christians. So they can help you to biblically walk through this in a practical sense. If you're thinking about pursuing a professional counselor, I encourage you to seek it out. I still see a counselor once a month. And I view it kind of as getting your oil changed on your car. It's a tune-up, a check-in, and accountability for me to ensure that I'm walking in the way God would have me to outside of my friends, community, and church family. These last two things that I'm going to talk about are all about Jesus. All the things, all these last four things we've talked about have been biblical, but they've been practical. But these last two are more about Jesus. And one of the first things that we need to know about Jesus as one who may be walking through grief or one watching a friend walk through it. The first thing we need to know is that Jesus understands grief. Jesus gets it. You know, in in church circles, we often talk about how Jesus took on humanity for us and then he died for us. I think sometimes we skip the took on humanity and we jump straight to the death and resurrection. And that's not necessarily bad, but we miss how Jesus puts on humanity and what that means for us today, right now. It means that Jesus gets it. Think about it. In the New Testament, Jesus's earthly father isn't really talked about much. Does scripture actually tell us, you know, Jesus's earthly dad died? I haven't done enough research in this moment to fully know, but it's very possible. I've seen it portrayed that way and talked about, and a lot of people do believe that Jesus's earthly father, Joseph, by the time Jesus was starting his ministry, that his earthly father had died. And if it's true, then Jesus gets the loss of an earthly father. But a story that scripture is clear on is the story of Jesus's friend, Lazarus. You know, we all know Lazarus as the dude that Jesus rose from the dead. And and you may be thinking, well, Lynn, this can't count as Jesus understanding grief because he knew he'd raise him from the dead. You could say that. Or you could say, why did Jesus weep when Lazarus died and when he knew he could raise him from the dead? To me, that's the bigger question. Why did Jesus even weep at all if he knew he'd raise him up from the dead? I keep wanting to say rise from the dead. So Jesus gets grief. And and here's a perspective for you. I, I heard this talked about once is that Jesus on the cross, when Jesus is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? There are a lot of people that have different opinions on that. But through the lens of grief, what I see is that it's that moment where the weight of sin is starting to separate Jesus from God. Because think about this, in order for Jesus's death to actually be payment for our sins, Jesus, who had never known separation from God, had to endure separation from him. And that's a type of grief. It's a type of loss. Jesus had never known separation from God. And because of his great love for us, he knew separation from God. He went through grief for us. So when he's crying out, why have you forsaken me? It's this cry of not only like, God, what's going on? But like, it's grief. And our savior experienced it and he understands it. And friend, the final thing to remind yourself of is to hold on, hold on to God's promises. And I won't go on and on and on about how to hold on to God's promises. But to be honest, I just want to sit and read a few of these promises over you right now. Wherever you're at in this process, let me, hold on. My Bible's having trouble. Let me get there real quick. Psalm 23 verse 4 is a good place to start. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You have kept count of my tossings, put my tears in your bottle. Jesus has counted our tears. That's amazing. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. That's just a few of the promises that God gives to people who are hurting and crushed. Doesn't grief feel like being crushed and brokenhearted? If you're being honest with yourself about it, you would probably say that's true. It certainly does feel that way. So those are the promises of God for right now. But there are also promises to hold on to for the future. So right now, if you're feeling hopeless about your present and you're thinking, Lynn, that all sounds lovely and good, but really, (laughs) really, you want me to hold on to these promises? Yes, God wants us to hold on to these promises. But there are not only promises for our present circumstances and our present emotion and state of being, but God also gives us promises for the future. If you are a Christian and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, these things apply to you. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul actually writes about the future promises. Let me read it to you real quick. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is kind of talking about the coming of the Lord. And and he is actually specifically has this section at the end of chapter 4 where he's talking about how to encourage one another. Because the very last verse of chapter 4, Paul says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. But what were the words before that that he was telling us to encourage each other with? Well, let's go back to verse 13 and read this verse. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So Paul says, encourage one another with the future promise that those who are in Christ that have died are with him and will be with him. You may be struggling right now or watching someone struggle. You're not without hope, friend. You're not without hope. And the final verse to remember, this is not just for your loved one, but this applies to you. At the very end of the book of Revelation, John is talking about what the new heaven and new earth will be like after the second coming of Jesus. And and honestly, it's going to be cool. But this verse for me is particularly comforting when I'm in a season of grief, because sometimes I feel like, okay, Lynn, well, you know, I say to myself, okay, I feel crushed in spirit. I need to just trust God. I need to know God's there. I need to believe him. Yes. But this for me is something that even when I don't feel like I can hold on to those other promises, this is one I can always hold on to. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Man, that verse has so much power and so much promise all wrapped up in it from God. So today in this moment, if you're sitting there and you're walking through it and you feel that grief and maybe you feel a little ashamed or feel like you're less of a Christian or because you're dealing with all these emotions and all these things, I just encourage you to remember this. He will wipe every tear from your eye and you are not without hope. 
Thank you for listening. I truly hope you were able to find a nugget of encouragement or wisdom for your life today. I would love to hear what God is teaching you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or the website. Don't forget, share what you learned today with someone you know. And also be encouraged. You're not alone on this crazy, curvy, and sometimes bumpy road I like to call real life.